Unipify podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to Unipify podcast. My name is Ana Lucia Londoño and I will be your host today. In this episode, we will navigate the waters of an extremely relevant issue when we talk about financing the sustainable blue economy, and that is its human dimension. We will explore first the relevance of social equity in the ocean economy. That is, why should financial institutions like banks, insurers and investors care about a just transition when investing in the blue economy? Secondly, we will explore how can financial institutions start to better finance such a transition to a blue economy that is not only sustainable, economically viable, but also socially equitable. To answer these questions, we will be speaking to five experts on the blue economy, mainly academics from different disciplines, including economics, ecology, and marine biology. But you will also hear the views of practitioners like sustainability analysts from the investment industry and the NGO community. But before we hear from our experts, I would like to start first by talking about the ocean and its value. The ocean has been widely defined as the life support system of our planet. As I am sure you all know, it regulates the Earth's climate, produces oxygen, stores carbon, is a vital source of food and possesses a tremendous wealth of biodiversity, supporting the livelihoods of around 3 billion coastal communities. It plays a paramount role facilitating international trade and transport and offers a great potential for scientific discoveries. In addition to that, our ocean further holds cultural and spiritual values to coastal communities closely linked to it. If we look at, at its economic value, the high-level panel for a sustainable ocean economy estimated that today the ocean economic sectors contribute to 1.5 trillion in value added to the global economy and support around 31 million jobs. As a vital economic asset, the ocean continues to be conceptually framed as a new economic frontier for economic development and opportunity. And it is under this context that the concept of the blue economy has been carved in. Yet, its formulation has not been free of critique or skepticism. While in its origin, the term blue economy was meant to include ocean-based development activities that had a positive impact on the environment and communities, some people saw in blue growth a concept used to commodify, enclose and monetize ocean commons, which also disregarded traditional ocean users and ways of relating with ocean resources in the name of progress. In addition to these conflicting views, a new layer of critique has evolved around the use and implementation of the blue economy concept. And that is the fact that while efforts have concentrated to deliver blue growth that is environmentally sustainable, the social equity prerequisite has largely been overshadowed in blue policy and finance agendas. Many have started to interrogate the blue economy from a political ecology lens. And this means paying attention to the socio-ecological systems, the interactions between the social realm and the ocean, focusing on actors, interest, power relations, dominant narratives. And this analytical exercise has made evident that the concerns about equity or better put, the absence of concerns about equity when we talk about the sustainable blue economy are evident. 
The COVID-19 crisis has further showed us that the need for a sustainable and equitable blue recovery, in which coastal communities, small and middle enterprises, women and indigenous groups, especially in developing countries, are recognized and included to benefit from the blue economy development. But let's clarify first, what do we mean by social equity in an ocean context? Social equity is based on three key pillars, recognitional, procedural, and distributive. The first one refers to the recognition or acknowledgement of all groups that are affected in one way or another by an ocean industry, being beneficiaries or affected groups. The second one refers to the inclusion, participation, and active engagement in decision-making processes of development plans, policies, and projects of affected ocean stakeholders. And the third dimension corresponds to the fair or more just distribution of benefits and costs from these industries among affected ocean stakeholders. So unlike equality, which would focus only on a fair distribution of costs and benefits, social equity includes the full recognition and active participation of relevant stakeholders and right holders in planning and decision-making processes for a given context concerning an ocean sector. This engagement would include women, indigenous groups, youth and other marginalized groups in affected communities who should not disproportionately carry the burden of a new and or existing development in the blue economy. However, in practice, policy and investment decisions have tended to be equity-blind and poorly address equity dimensions superficially with labor and human right concerns. Guidance on how to support equity in the blue economy have not been sufficiently mainstreamed across decision-making spheres. Yet, implementing equity considerations is critical to a sustainable blue economy to deliver its full potential to address challenges such as poverty, food security and climate change. Let's now hear then what our experts on the blue economy have to say about why should financial actors care about such an equity dimension when financing ocean-based industries. So let's listen first to the words of Nathan Bennett, Chair of the People and the Ocean Specialist Group of the Commission of the Ecological, Economic and Social Policy of the International Union for the Conservation of Nature, IUCN, and the Principal Investigator of the People's Seas Initiative. So when I think about the, the blue economy and when I think about the oceans, I think very deeply about the people who rely on the oceans. I think about the people who reside uh, in coastal communities. Uh, these are small-scale fishers. Um, these are, um, uh, you know, coastal residents. These are women who glean. These are indigenous peoples who have a, a high reliance on the ocean for for food. Um, you know, the I think the latest United Nations stats are that something like two billion people live on the coast. And, and I, you know, when I when I think about what uh, financial actors should be thinking about and doing when they're uh, investing in the blue economy, I think that, that, you know, my biggest recommendation is that they put themselves in the shoes of the people who live on the coast that they imagine what their lives are like, that they imagine 
uh, how these uh, economic activities and initiatives will impact the lives of these people, how they will impact their food security, how it will impact their communities, uh, whether or not there will be any harms that result. Because I think uh, framing uh, development as only being about beneficiaries uh, is a faulty logic. Um, there's always going to be uh, some uh, change in the environment and there's going to be some change in coastal communities. And so what what will those benefits and harms be and how will those flow through to, to local people? Um, and I think, uh, you know, for me, what I would like to see is I would like to see um, uh, financial actors uh, be more aspirational in the way that they think about contributing to the well-being of coastal communities and societies. Thank you very much, Nathan, for those insights. Now you will be listening to the words from Andres Cisneros Montemajor, Deputy Director of the Nippon Foundation Ocean Nexus Program and Research Associate at the University of British Columbia. A blue economy within ocean development um, tries to achieve equitable and sustainable ocean sectors by definition. So you can't have a blue economy that isn't equitable. Same thing as you can't have a blue economy that is unsustainable. And even though we want to ensure that everyone uh, can benefit from oceans in their own ways, and we want to respect uh, different relationships that exist with oceans around the world, it's obvious that, that financial institutions and, and private industry is going to play a major role in how development is shaped. And so in that sense, I think the two most important things that that they could do to, to make sure that, that equity uh, is truly achieved within a blue economy uh, is one, to recognize that equity uh, can be good for business, it, it most often is, uh, and yet it's a fundamental human right. So, so it isn't something that we can approach in a voluntarily, if you will. It's something that we always have to be mindful of in the same way that we're now mindful of environmental sustainability. That used to be something that's voluntary and now we recognize that it's an essential part. So we need to make equity an essential part of, of any of our actions uh, that we take in, in finance. Um, the second thing that's really important is to uh, take guidance, of course, from the different documents and frameworks and approaches, and, and there are many of them that are being produced um, by a lot of very reputable institutions. Um, but at the end of the day, make sure that we're addressing equity issues in a way that's contextually appropriate to the, to the places where we're actually working. So, so partner with people that know about these places um, and that can make sure that we're addressing equity in ways that align with what equity means in this particular place. Andres, thank you so much for these uh, very valuable arguments and comments, very in line with what we heard from Nathan Bennett before. And to finish this first block, in which we try to understand why should financial institutions care about such an equity dimension when investing in the blue economy, you will hear the words of Jean-Baptiste Jouffray, postdoctoral researcher at the Stockholm Resilience Center. Um, I, I mean, it's, it's easier said than done, but I think yeah. a key message could be to, you know, encourage uh, financial markets to recognize social and environmental impacts as being material and to price sustainability and, and by extension equity accordingly. I think that it goes back to, to the discussion we had earlier about you know, how risk is perceived today 
mm-hmm. like ma- in a majority of, of financial institution. And I think it lacks those dimensions. It lacks the the realization that uh, sustainability and equitability and equity issues are ultimately material to financial institution. They do pose a risk. Um, and there needs to be a way of measuring that, that is standardized, that is comparable, and that allows institution to act on it. Um, and you know, more concretely, we talked about reputational risk. That's the first one that comes to mind uh, with cases such as, again, like forced labor. You don't want to be affiliated with, with forced labor, um, certainly. But down the line, there will be uh, financial uh, risk. It will be more than reputational, um, especially if the regulatory landscape changes. Many thanks, um, Jean-Baptiste, for these valuable insights. So to sum up, social equity is a cornerstone of the blue economy. First, financial payers should care about it from a normative perspective. And social equity and human well-being should be an end in themselves when we talk about using ocean's resources and all its potential to deliver development and profit. Secondly, and maybe from a more practical point of view, social equity is instrumental when investing in the blue economy, as it can contribute to achieve sustainability and build local buy-in for blue economy projects, which is a key to success. And finally, from a risk perspective, incorporating social equity considerations minimizes an organization's reputational risk from exposure to human rights violations and illegalities that may exist within their portfolios. to talk about the key themes to have in mind when providing guidance about social equity. Some of these key themes include, for instance, human indigenous women's right recognition and protection, tenure and access rights recognition, cultural awareness, gender issues, local ownership creation, inclusive governance and participatory decision-making processes, and lastly, appropriate distribution of costs and benefits among affected groups. However, if we take a quick look to the key frameworks providing guidance on financial to financial institutions financing ocean-linked sectors like fisheries, transportation, energy and tourism, we see a fragmented approach to social equity issues and how they are dealt. For example, the International Finance Corporation's guidelines for blue finance are built on the green bond principles and the green loan principles. And they have a strong focus on protection of cultural heritage and stakeholder engagement, together with um, a huge emphasis on indigenous peoples and affected communities. On the other hand, if you look at the CDC Group ESG Toolkit for Financial Institutions, which provides guidance on risks and opportunities by topics and sectors, including ocean leak activities like fisheries and ports. Um, these guidelines mention access rights, labor and indigenous human rights, cultural values, gender issues, group mar- marginalization and displacement. Yet all these topics are not equally covered across all sectors. And finally, UNIPFI's turning the tie guidelines include within social impacts um, mentions to violation of human rights, um, indigenous communities' rights, impacts on livelihoods and human life, 
health and inequality, including some gender aspects. However, again, all these impacts could be more equally addressed in all sectors. So we see that only some equity dimensions are included and others still need to be further mainstream, especially distributional and participatory aspects of social equity. With the stronger focus on gender, as for each activity, there are gender-related impacts. Hence, a more holistic and consistent approach is needed across all these frameworks and guidelines. Our key remaining question is then, how can financial institutions better incorporate the social equity dimension into their investment decisions and processes in the blue economy? In this sense, banks, investors, asset owners and managers and insurers can influence their portfolio companies and use their immense leverage power to push for a stronger inclusion of equity matters in decision-making processes and strategy plans related to ocean investment, lending and underwriting activities. But let's hear what our experts have to say about these. The three interventions you will be hearing now will be made by three organizations part of the United Nations Sustainable Blue Economy Finance Initiative. Let's start first by listening to the words of Luz Heaps, Head of Sustainable Blue Economy at WWF UK. Well, I would say that just recognizing that the uh, equity issues are fairly fundamental to their business is going to be a very big and key step for many FIs. I think by signing up to the Sustainable Blue Economy Finance Principles, they're already addressing some of those equity issues and obviously not just signing up to them, but trying to implement them as well. And the guidance uh, produced by UNEPFI uh, and uh, in, in collaboration, obviously, with WWF and many others, I think that gives a very clear roadmap for how to address some of these key issues uh, and what they really need to be looking for um, when they're looking for new and 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 with existing investments as well. Um, and they need to really be asking their investees to report on not just their environmental uh, requirements, but obviously they already have to report on social, but really sort of to dig a bit more deeper into that and uh, make sure that they are complying with the principles, but also, um, you know, identifying if there are any red flags uh, relating to say, social safeguarding issues, not just with that company, but with the supply chains they're involved with as well. Thank you so much, Luis, for offering us these insights and very valid recommendations coming from an NGO perspective. Um, now you will be listening to Vemun Olsen, a senior sustainability analyst at the store brand Asset Management. The social aspect is uh, is a very is a very important part of the transition to a sustainable blue economy. I would uh, you know advise fellow financial institutions to uh, to uh, ensure that the companies they invest in carry out proper due diligence procedures to identify potential human rights. Uh, impacts and, and social impacts of their operations and especially to take care that um, the their transition to a sustainable blue economy does not uh, involve sort of undue negative impacts on communities and workers 
and vulnerable groups, but rather sort of involve them in the process to be able to um, generate the social license necessary for the transition. Vemund, thank you so much for these comments and recommendations. And finally, to close this second block of questions, let's hear again a final message from Jean-Baptiste Jouffre, postdoctoral researcher at the Stockholm Resilience Center. Like a formulation that I that I quite like is to say that you know what is today's voluntary commitment, what is today's perceived as being voluntary action by financiers or by companies, might very well be tomorrow's compliance. And so by by taking it into consideration already now the opportunity for the financial sector, and that is true for the private sector as well, um, is to get a head start on what ultimately will become a requirement, hopefully, <laughs> if, yeah. if policymakers uh, and, and, and regulators do their job. Uh, and so I think you, you can have a head start there. You can take the lead and you can be part of that conversation. Um, It's the idea of either you, you know, the wave is coming. So either you start yeah. surfing it or you will get tumbled by it. <laughs> the one way to put it. Well, many thanks, um, Jean-Baptiste, for this final call to action to all members of um, the financial sector that are listening in. And thanks again to Nathan Bennett, Andres Cisneros Montemayor, Luis Heaps and uh, Vemund Olsen for having participated today with me in this very interesting conversation. So to wrap up, we can say that it is clear that the sustainable blue economy needs to be based on its three key pillars of sustainability, economic viability and equity. Benefits and costs from blue growth need to be fairly distributed across the different society groups affected. And these should be fully recognized and included in all decision-making processes to maximize human well-being and avoid maladaptive results from blue economy projects. No one should be left behind. Multiple existing frameworks such as the IFC guidelines for the blue economy, the CDC ESG toolkit and UNEPFI sustainable blue economy guidance offer financial professionals insights from opportunities and risks for sustainable investments in the ocean, incorporating already some equity considerations. But financial players need to explicitly incorporate social inclusion and equity issues in their investments, just as they have done with environmental ones. This topic goes well beyond human rights and labor rights protection and includes the meaningful recognition and participation of all different society groups and relevant stakeholders and right holders involved in current decision-making processes related to ocean-based activities. These will result fundamental to identify winners and losers address gender equity issues, avoid the marginalization of different groups, and ultimately achieve a fair distribution of costs and benefits in blue economy activities. But of course, the larger responsibility from the finance sector has to go hand in hand with the development of a better enabling policy environment. There needs to be economic incentives and adequate governance frameworks to require the delivery of solutions that are socially resilient, fair and adaptive to communities' needs. The blue economy can be instrumental to achieve sustainable development goals and facilitate the transformation that our global economic model needs. However, 
a truly sustainable and equitable blue economy in the future might also require transforming the, the current blue growth paradigm and rethinking how we conceived ocean-based economic development and its alternatives. But let's leave this conversation for another time. I hope you have enjoyed our discussion today. Thank you for listening in. You can access all podcasts from the Sustainable Blue Economy Finance Initiative at Spotify and Apple Music. If you're interested in reading more about the initiative, visit our webpage at www.unipify.org/blue-finance. Thank you very much and see you another time.